Welcome to our special weekly podcast, SME SOS. Each week I'll be sharing this additional podcast taken from my weekly live interviews on Instagram with industry leaders and founders, all of whom share their insights and advice for businesses navigating this unprecedented time of uncertainty, but also opportunity. My usual podcast, Conversations of Inspiration, is still coming out every Monday where I share soulful founder stories or those who simply inspire me. But thanks to Dell, we are able to continue creating this unique podcast for the small business community at a time where we need all the advice we can get. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where we're going. You won't need to bring your frown. This week's episode has to be one of my favourites as I welcome two phenomenal guests, Sahar Hashimi, OBE, co-founder of Coffee Republic, and Alex Monroe, founder of Alex Monroe Jewelry. We cover many topics this week, from the future of retail to the new consumer mindset and the importance of brands as well as the role community and connection will play in the future success of all businesses. From both of them, their passion, their drive, that energy, well, it's totally infectious. It just shines through and these attributes, I think, are the absolute mark of a brilliant founder. It's something that I would urge you all to soak up and take in as founders or dreamers. We are the energy that fuels our business forward. And if you have a team, they'll look to you to provide this vision and drive. It sounds exhausting. Well, sometimes it is. But actually, when you love your business, when it has a purpose beyond just making money and leaves you creatively fulfilled and happy, this will come naturally. So on that note, my first guest is Sahar, who every time I speak to her just speaks to my soul. She's a brilliant woman and has been on my podcast and has been a guest speaker at the Congregation of Inspiration. She never fails to make me smile or teach me something new every time I speak to her. Her story of setting up Coffee Republic is just amazing. And I mean, she bought the first coffee shops to the UK. Can you even imagine that? She started an entirely new culture in the UK. Do go and have a listen to her podcast episode because I think she is one of my all-time favourite guests. Hiya, how are you? Very well. This is my first Instagram live, would you believe it? Yes, I can't imagine a better person to do it with than you, so I'm very, very pleased. I just love you. I just, the whole team, honestly, Sahar, we're going to get into this, but the whole team is like, do you understand how much we love Sahar? And I'm like, I know, I know. Two things I want to cover, women in business, and I would love to chat about the high street with you and sort of small business. It really is going to be a new era of a new customer potentially post-COVID and the consumer potentially changing again. Now, I would love to hear from your experience. What do you think will happen with consumer behavior? Gosh, I mean, Holly, if only, if only we knew, you know, all I know is just that we're still the same people we were before this. You know, we mustn't panic and think we've got a whole new consumers. You know, it's still the same consumers. Yeah, you know, people are a bit more scared. People are going to shop differently. Maybe, you know, the budgets are smaller now. We've all, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. So 
we haven't got the same spending power. But essentially, we're the same people and we want the same things. We can't mm. wait to go back to how things were, you know, kind of what our heart and soul wants and needs, really. I'm wondering, though, whether there will be um, a change for, you know, it's not really the coffee money because that is social, it's a treat, you know, you look forward to it, but more the landfill, more the wasteful pounds that we used to spend. You know, it just, it was just, we were just doing stuff automatically without really being mindful of what we were doing. And I think, I think that's very much going to change. We're becoming more conscious, but you know, what I think Holly is really special about a lot of the people that you're championing, you know, small businesses, especially female-led businesses, is that they are genuinely customer-centric. You know, they, yes. they think about often, you know, they start as their own customers. They are really, you know, have that empathy with customers. You know, they're, they're looking at their business through the customer's eyes. Maybe a lot of them because they started the business from a personal need they had themselves. So there's a really close connection with the customer and understanding the customer. And I think when you've got that, it becomes quite foolproof really when we hit the difficult times because you know, you're in your customer's head. So you know if, if, if it's, you know, the customer wants to buy differently because you want to buy differently. So I think that sort of synergy that, that women-led small businesses have with customers is going to be really critical and it's going to be a real asset Uh, It is a real, as you said, it's an asset, you know, and Mark Constantine was on um, from Lush and he was talking about how the sort of 1930s customer service, that sort of different level where you're more emotionally connecting with your customer is coming through. Um, What are those things that you think for the high street or that independent right now that's watching or someone's thinking, okay, I'm going to get onto the high street. What would you say? are your reflections um, based on what you're seeing at the moment? Um, I think, um, Holly, you know, a lot of the stuff we're used to buying online, but I think we still love to go and see the product. It's, it's, it is exactly, as you say, that, that customer relationship, buying off someone, seeing it, getting it immediately, less commoditized in a way. So I think there's huge potential for the high street not to give you, you know, not for the big, for the small stores that are specially selected things. You know, it's stuff that you can't really get yourself, someone who's curated it for you. I think um, there's always room and, you know, every high street's different. Um, you know, I, we go a lot to deal in Kent and that's got a really proper gorgeous, I mean, I think it was named one of the most beautiful high streets in Britain, you know, tiny small shops. And I see how they prosper when, you know, they, they really know what the, kind of local market wants what's needed and it's just filling in the gaps and the beauty is that there are gaps everywhere the whole time and I think when we go through this difficult time actually I think in a funny way when you're going through more of a downturn as inevitably we'll be going that's where gaps come so that's where opportunities are for to give someone and I think people are just longing for an experience a shopping experience now, I've got a few questions. If we could spend a minute or so on each one, because I've got a couple of more questions from my side. Um, I own a coffee shop, and during the week, we're always being filled with people working on their laptops. Since reopening on Saturday, we've only had a few of the laptop gang in. How do you think coffee shop culture will change? Um, yes, it's a very interesting question. You know, when we started Coffee Republic, I, I remember... What was really exciting was was they sort of called it the third place. The fact that you had home, you had the office, and there was somewhere else to go. Because if you think about it, 
back before the coffee revolution, you know, you couldn't really go anywhere else. You'd sort of no. sit in a restaurant or and so this idea that you would actually take your laptop, you'd go there, you'd make phone calls, it's not home, you've got out of home, you're getting a bit the buzzy atmosphere of other people. Um, and I think that's gonna be even more important because I think you know, for the people who've worked in offices all their lives, I know how much they've enjoyed the lockdown. A lot of people say for the first time they haven't been commuting, but it's going to get quite tiring after a while. And now <laughs> the days are long and, you know, we've been going towards spring and summer, but when it gets dark, it can be quite lonely just being stuck at home. So I think going to a local coffee place and hearing the bar, seeing other people is going to be absolutely great. So I don't think it's going to change to that extent at all as humans we're social beings i love this concept so hopefully for that coffee shop owner that's really going to help mina lima um how can shop and online be united well i mean it's, it just reminds me actually of the story of the chapmans you know um the couple that started matches fashion and now yes. you know the enormous mattersfashion.com that i think was recently sold for gosh how much but they had their clothes shop in wimbledon and i think right very early on they said to, to each other what if we put everything we've got on the shop online and i just remember they just apparently you know started a very basic website and put every single of their clothes online and it exploded because of course then you know it got exposure globally there's no limit to what you can achieve online so i think if you've got a really good base of the actual retail bricks and mortar store going online it is wonderful because in a way you've got a shop front to the whole world online gives you the opportunity is you just pretend as if you're at every single high street in the united kingdom but across the world you're on oxford street you're on bond street you're yes. you know, in, in the best on madison avenue in new york i mean that's what online gives us the capability so the opportunities are enormous but you've got to again think about it carefully think about where your brand stands what you stand for as a brand and that's really I, what I ultimately believe is this idea that you've just got to know your brand. You've got to know why people come to you and you've got to stick to that. You've got to be fanatical about being true to yourself, to what your brand is. And then that, that, that way you will distinguish yourself online. And it's the most extraordinary opportunity, I think. I love that fanatical about who you are. You, you just always say these most phenomenally wise things are. Because Holly, this actually reminds me of one of my favorite, I think most powerful business books I've ever read was, um, is actually a very thin book, I think from the 80s or 90s called The 12 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Al Reese. And it's got 12 very simple laws. And the most important law is this law that you can't be everything to everyone. You know, you've got to know what your DNA is, and you've got to stick to that because you can't be all things to all people. And that's the danger people do. When they go online, they think, oh, let me have everything. You, you know, you're just not sure what they stand for. And you've got to actually, in a funny way, focus very narrowly, I think, in a business and stick to something so people really get to know you and know they can get the best of that. Yes, absolutely. What well, everything you're saying. At the Congregation of Inspiration, you talked about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship being the new women's movement. And Saha, I think we're going to hear so much of this coming forward. I think we're only at the beginning, actually, of hearing these stories. You know, if we place ourselves in October when furloughing finishes, potentially there's going to be even more. Well, I know there will. Um, 
What are your thoughts about this sort of right moment to start a business? You know, for people who are scared about doing it, for women who have that imposter syndrome, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's no better time than to start now in a way. I mean, I just, you know, in a downturn, I st we started Coffee Republic in the um, early 90s downturn. And I was actually just um, reading in Forbes, there was this list of companies that started every, you know, from Amazon to Airbnb to even General Motors to Hyatt Hotels to, you started it. You know, so that is actually the, the time to start in a way. So waiting for the good times, you know, it's too late. There's no gaps again. It's a great time to start. And this idea that people have, you know, I meet so many women, as I'm sure you do, who say, I've got a business idea. And you're like, why are you not doing it? And they are waiting for some perfect moment. You know, they're yeah. waiting to get it all right. You know, and they just keep thinking about it. And it's just there, this idea of starting. And they never do it. And it's just such a pity because if only they knew that they have all the skills they need to start a business, they've got everything it takes. And one of the most important things I think women have is we are incredibly resourceful as women. Now, mm -hmm. you know, I don't like gender stereotypes, but I actually genuinely, I've never met a woman who's not resourceful. You know, we can just, because we're resourceful around the home, you know, women can get anything, you know, they're just the creativity of woman's brain comes with the sort of multitasking in a way, doesn't it? You can get anything from anyone, any information, you've got a hundred things on the go. These qualities are absolutely cru critical in starting a business. And yet we're not using them enough because we're not mm. confident enough. So I think just knowing that, listen, you've got what it takes, just go for it, just start. And you know, start small. I think, I'm, mm. Holly, I'm sure you'll agree that, you know, people, you know, people just wait till they start big, they think about it. Don't think about it. Just start doing the smallest prototype. Just put it yeah. in, in, some, in a physical form. Get it out of your brain and do a little prototype in physical form so you see what it looks like, so you can visualize it. And then just go from that day by day. You know what I mean? It's not the big, big jump you take. Just take little jumps every day and then you realize you're sort of there. I say the same to heart and um, not as eloquently as you, but I, I do say to people, there isn't a sort of confetti bomb moment that you start. There is this moment that you just say, I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm going to take, yeah. you know, take that plunge. And you have that amazing saying, don't you, about that, that leap, don't you? Yeah, a leap and then that will appear. But even better in that context, it's um, in my other motto is actually anything worth doing is worth doing badly. You see, because you've just got to start doing it and it's going to be bad and it's not going to be perfect, but you've got to do it. You, you know, if you're thinking about making a product, make it, make it in your kitchen and, you know, kind of literally put a fake a little label on it so you can see it, so you can show people. Because I think it's almost like energetically, once you get the idea out of your head into something physical, you can see it. And then when you make that first phone call, as you say, when you go and see the bank manager, when you get the rejection, you've got no idea. You've started the momentum. And I think ideas are like, they're almost like trapped in your head and they're never going to get momentum unless you do something physical. So write the business plan, go and see someone, do a prototype. There are a million ways. And then once you start, you realize actually you're almost chasing the idea itself. It's sort of got its own momentum and you're just like following it rather than, but the worst place is thinking about it. And I think women think too much. We spend too much time thinking because that brain is that sort of multitasking brain. We've also, it's very active and it's just very chatty. There's a lot of chatter inside. 
and we get scared and then we psych ourselves out and it's just I just literally just want to press the lead and just do and not think I don't think men think as much as we do Holly I, I've got a, I've got sort of um, good evidence of that in my home. Yes, I, I, I think anyone here, it's not not male bashing here, but I'm just saying that you know there is a lot of thinking going on in this brain, um, and and I'm sure we can all testify to even if we wanted to arrange a night out, you know, who books a babysitter, who thinks that feeds the dog, does the thing, and they're and they're still picking out a shirt. Anyway, we won't go into that. <laughs> um, I'm going to let you go, but really everyone is just raving about you. I just I just so want to do more with you. Every time I'm with you, I'm yes, just like reminded. Thank you, bless you, from the bottom of my heart. Thank, thank you, everyone. You so and everyone is saying thank Good you luck, as everyone. well. It's so kind of you. Lovely, thank you, bye-bye. I loved when she said, be fanatical about your brand, because it's true. I believe that brand is your number one asset. So if you understand it, if you love it, if you nurture it, if you place it above all else, your business will thrive. But what do I really mean when I say brand? Well, it's more than a logo or a tone of voice or brand colors or a standalone mission statement. In fact, it's everything. Brand is the sum of all these parts and so, so much more. You could think of it as the beating heart of your business. So I thought, who better than to share his wise words on brand than the godfather of brand himself, Sir John Hegarty, founder of advertising agency BBH and creator of the most memorable advertising campaigns, including those for Levi and Calvin Klein. John was one of my first ever guests on this podcast, and his description of brand in my next clip is just one of the best I've ever heard and probably will. I think the greatest brand ever that teaches you everything that you want to know about marketing is the Catholic Church. First of all, the world's greatest logo. Brilliant logo. Recognised throughout the world. Fantastic. Um, it was a brand that immediately went through the line straight away, built the churches on the sign of the cross, through the line marketing, immediately went global. None of this kind of, I'm just going to be in one place. Seven day opening, none of that closing. What, close? What are you talking about? Seven day opening, definitely. Um, diversified, christenings, weddings, funerals, did the whole thing. And of course, location, location, location. Centre of the church, centre of the city, centre of the town, centre of the village, biggest building, logo on the top. You knew exactly what you were going for. And of course, genius. Work with the greatest artists, greatest painters. You know, when Nike launched Just Do It, they used, I think, John Lennon. Well, you know, come on, a Catholic church had Bach, Beethoven, Mozart. <laughs> they had them all, you know. They had the lot. They were with, you know, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci. They, they you know, give us all this stuff. And, um, of course, what were they selling? Belief. Couldn't see the product. Belief. It's a very modern product in the sense of kind of yes. today we're selling things you can't see. I can't see Vodafone. I, vibrating air. I can't see Google, so I look it up. Facebook, it's just, you know, it's there. I can't see it. I can't physically touch it. They're selling belief in their product. Well, the Catholic Church, that was an incredibly early concept. And, you know, you have to say, 2,000 years later, few problems. They've got, a, you know, a couple of issues that they should be resolving, but still going. 
So the the world's greatest brand. Everything you want to know about About, branding and where it goes wrong. Bit of of competition too. The Protestants came along, the Calvinists. But they saw them all off, you know, don't worry about that. (laughs) They were, you know, confident in what they were doing. So that, the world's greatest brand. Oh, it's just the best answer, really. After many years mentoring small businesses and championing women founders, the imposter syndrome is something which comes up as a consistent reason as to why women are holding back from building their own businesses. Fueling this imposter syndrome is a fear of tech. And so together with Dell Technologies, we want to take the first steps in empowering women in business. So each week I'll be giving away an award-winning Dell XPS laptop and lots of other small business goodies to cheer you on your journey. So this week's winner is Megan from Swalk Creatives. And she wrote, my fear of tech is something I've never discussed with anyone. And it never occurred to me that not only was it holding me back, but it probably holds back a lot of other women in business too. I feel especially shameful because prior to starting my own business, I worked in IT recruitment. So I know all the lingo, but I'm working on tech that's ancient. I run Swalk Creative, an art collective based at Afflex in Manchester. We're a cooperative of 11 Manchester-based artists and we run and fund a shop between us. A couple of weeks into lockdown, I bit the bullet and paid for a website. Paying for a website was half the battle and I quickly realised I didn't have the tech to back it up. I think my main anxiety around investing in tech is that I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm cautious about dropping a wedge of money on something I'm not sure is definitely what I want or need. I feel stupid asking the most basic of questions, so I have avoided it completely. I feel like I'm so nearly there. I've committed to the college courses with my person self. I've committed to the website with the same, but I need to back it up with the tech. Thanks so much for doing this. Even if I'm not successful, I know how significantly people's journeys will be transformed by winning something like this. It's amazing. Well, congratulations, Megan. I am wishing you all the luck. You can follow her and her new laptop at Swalk Creative. To be in with a chance to win like Megan, all you have to do is email us in your story of why winning would change your business journey. We want creative and soulful tales of how you want to be empowered to take the next steps. You can email us at techinabox at holly.co or for all other details on how to enter head over to holly.co each week I will pick one winner and share their story right here on this very podcast wishing you all loads of luck The second guest I welcome this week is Alex Munro, creator of the most beautiful jewellery. And as I told him live on the interview last week, the first thing I bought when we opened up our shop was lots of Alex Munro jewellery as I knew we had to stock it. Uh, You know me, any excuse to go jewellery shopping, even if it's not technically for me. 
But what always strikes me when I speak to Alex is this absolute love and joy for his craft. I touched on it earlier, but it is just infectious to listen to. You can't not join them in their enthusiasm. It really is the fuel of founders and you can't fake it. You can't learn it. It just runs through you. This is exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about building a business, doing what you love. How are you? Really good, thanks, Holly. Really good. Yeah, very nice. Oh, it's so nice to see you. I just want to ask you how you found this time because it's been, you know, four months now, if we can actually believe it. Well, I I actually, you know, I've I've been feeling, I don't know if you've done this, Holly, but you sort of see people or talk with people. And I've been feeling really guilty because, so when this whole thing happened, you know, I was forced, I was just at home on my own. And um, I loved it, but I was like feeling feeling guilty that I was enjoying it so much. Because I know a lot of people, it's, for, for a huge number of people, it's been absolutely awful and really hard. But if you, if you start up a business and grow it, there's obviously something in your personality that's a little bit manic. And, you know, so I, I'm, just, I'm just running at 100 miles an hour the whole time. So this has been, I, I've always known that I should have take some, taken some time out, but this has been forced mm-hmm. on me. So, so I think that's probably the only way I ever would have done it. Actually. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then there is this after the initial uh, maelstrom of panic and you know getting everything set mm-hmm. up. Then there was this period of so, so, so I sort of held my breath, and then all of a sudden it's like I kind of likened it. You know those scenes in crime films where they go into the room and then they shine the ultraviolet light, and you can mm-hmm. see where all the all the the murder happened. That kind of thing. It's, a bit, it's been a bit like that on my business. It's like a light's been shined on it, and you can see the all the good things and all the things that were actually a little bit unnecessary and you know, a waste of time and why were we bothering with that and I want to make sure that I hold on to all this all the things mm. I've learned. Have you found that the stillness has been good for your creativity or do you miss the hustle and bustle? Yeah no it's been really good it's been it's been really good for everything and we're going to have a shift that's going to be a permanent shift of uh, before I, I was slight, always been. I don't manic isn't the word, but I've always been. Even as I'm finishing a collection, I'm getting excited about the next one. And what we've decided to do is actually not. Uh, we've decided to slow that down, and instead of doing following the fashion world where we release two collections a year, there's always masses and masses of newness and what's the next yes. thing. We're going to take a little time, and we, we'll, we'll slow that down. We might do we might do one a year, or or just do it on our own terms whenever we're ready for the next one. And we'll be a bit more thoughtful about it. And the creative process has been going much more into individual work. So for us as jewellers, we sit down and we just make a special piece that's a one-off piece for the pure joy of the creativity of it. That's so interesting. And it's, it, yeah. it's re-establishing, isn't it, those connections again. You know, you sometimes can get caught up in the speed in which it's more about potentially volume and amounts of things yeah. rather than actually honing in on those special clients, those special people who could also be fantastic for business because of their loyalty now that they, you know, yes. they feel. You're so, you're so right. So I think the very first thing that got me in the gut was that almost immediately people were getting in touch and going, you know, I want to buy something from you because this must be a really difficult time from you. You know, I, I felt like our community just had our backs, and it, and it like 
you know, it just takes your breath away. And so, yeah. so it's more about like, like just remembering how we're all part of one community and just how gorgeous everyone is to, to that, that, that yeah. they, I, mean, I felt a big shift, you know, people, people really want to get involved in companies like us where, where it's human beings making something with their hands and then selling it to, to other human beings, you know? So, so yeah, we, we, it was really nice to be reminded of what this is all about. It's all about an exchange between one person and another. Yeah, yes. oh, I couldn't agree more. I, it's, it's something that's going to be quite beautiful out of this period of time if we keep it yeah. going. You know, yeah. you, you want to almost write these things down, don't you, now? And sort of in yeah. two years' time where, or a year's time when that, that, that muscle starts working up again and people are like, why aren't we doing this? You're, you know, you remind yourself <laughs> that that is why. Um, again, you know that forensic light that you've been shining? You know, have you been thinking about physical space and, and, and what that might mean to your business? Yeah, totally. Because, because you know, I'm a, I've always been, I'm a jewellery designer and maker. And I, and I love, if I make something nice, I love to, I'm like, I suppose I'm a bit of a show off because, you know, like. You want to show it? Yeah, it's like, you know, like a little kid does a nice drawing. They run straight into the kitchen. I go, Mom, Dad, look what I've done. Like, I'm like that. I'm still like that. So it's like, look what I made. You know, you need to talk to people. And and this is all about people. So the shops are really important. I think it's going to be a while before tourists, because in Covent Garden, where we are in yes. Floral Street, a lot, a lot of it is tourists. But our... Uh, kind of core customers still come in and want to have a chat and have a look at things and that's the key so um i think i'm lightly i always wanted to use the space in floral street for doing more demonstrations because i love i love the process of making jewelry and i've got this thing like i enjoy it more multiplied by the number of people that are watching do you know what i mean yes it's like, it's like more fun if i if i'm cooking for my whole family i get a huge amount of enjoyment but if i'm just cooking for myself it yes. just feels yeah slightly... what a great analogy that's <laughs> such a great analogy actually so so making jewelry with people is my great love and actually that's everyone within the business is their great love so again it's about chatting to people and, and seeing them face to face giving them a little demonstration showing them around and yeah uh, and being more like, almost like inviting someone into your home, being like a host to them, you know. There's such appreciation, I think, as well for businesses. And I hope that, I know you're certainly one, and I hope that we are, who really care about their space, who really have gone into the detail, who have really treated that customer. And I think there's a newfound, my sense has been, there's been from who those who have, I've met, a new sense of appreciation of that. And yeah. um, that's felt really good for my team and I'm sure for yours. I've got a few comments um, while we're here. Um, Royal Needlework, brilliant to have demonstrations. Visitors love seeing us doing our hand embroidery. It's a stage for people um, to get into. I love that. It's a stage, isn't it? I love it. I love it. Um, Community, as you know, sits totally at the heart of Polly & Co. And I feel completely honoured um, that I have this sort of strong community. They're the wind beneath my wings. And I know you have Alex Monroe community and you have this, you feel very much the same. And you've created an Instagram account um, at Alex Monroe underscore community. Can you yeah. tell me what the role of community plays to you as a business? And on top of that, what advice would you give to anyone who also wants to create a community? Yeah, I mean, I suppose 
we kind of are our community. So it's not like we're it, it's separate. I feel that I feel that we're one group, um, and uh, uh, it's an it's an interaction between people. So it's almost like when we run our business, I've always tried to explain that it's like a reverse pyramid. You know, the, the most important people, the governors, are the are, are are our customers, and then you have all the you know shop staff and people who help them, and then, and then it comes down. To, and my job at the bottom of the pyramid is to try and make sure that everyone can do that. But we're basically one group of people. So actually, the um, Alex Monroe community was a, was we we kind of really thought about it as this whole thing kicked off. We thought actually let's form this community and keep our community together. So that um, for support and, you know, we have mutual interest. And also it's a nice platform to not think about, about because when you run a business, you have to think about money a lot of the time and you need to sell things. But it's a nice place where you can completely sort of cut that out of the equation and just think about all the other things that are important in a business, which is about all of us together, you know, and, and mm. chatting and sharing ideas. We had such fun me and my daughter Connie making videos about because I'm like a mad, you know, forager and all the sort of things we were getting up to in well during lockdown and it's just a nice forum for being a a group of like-minded human beings all supporting each other. I suppose yeah, it's yeah. really important. and and also business. You know, surely after this, people have to think that business, whilst a business does have to make money because it needs to pay the bills but it isn't about that isn't its sole function it isn't mm -hmm. it isn't only about money it, it, it there are so many other things the community platform is a nice place just to concentrate on the actual real important things i think this is what brands will be seeing that we're sort of going to come out of this potentially where the brands that have never had community couldn't have community at the heart of it almost those are the ones that will go you know um, uh, my last question to you, what do you think, if you think about your business, that you feel that without this experience, you wouldn't have recognised maybe in yourself or your business? Yeah, I think well, that there's, there's two things there. One is personally, I'm going to um, try and hold on to this work-life balance where, where I'm just going to slow, because I've realised you can be awfully productive without having to be running at 100 miles an hour for, for, for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I'm running the business, the business isn't running me. And I think as a business, it's given us, it's just, it's like having a, a slap across the face. Say, you, this is all about your customers. This is all about the people that, you, that, that, that are, you're sharing this with. So get all your focus back on them. The idea that the focus should be on the customer is so simple, yet one that is so easy to forget. But as Sahar also said, as small businesses, and I know so many listening today will be female founders, this is our natural superpower. We are inbuilt to listen to our customer needs and instinctively think in this way. So take care to nurture that.
I also loved Alex's analogy of this time being a moment to shine a forensic light on your business to work out what is essential and what process or work has crept in over time and perhaps is now surplus to requirements. It's something that I too have really been acutely aware of myself. I have spent the last few weeks looking at the mechanics of Holly & Co, especially now that we are working remotely forevermore as part of what I've called the enrichment era. I have implemented new systems, including Monday.com, which has been amazing. I know it's not an ad. I just genuinely have found it so very useful. So definitely have a look out for it for your business. I have really reviewed every aspect of the company and not only how we work, but what we are working on that makes up everyone's day. We have 10 clear objectives for the year and every task within someone's role is now listed under an objective so that we're all pulling together in the same direction towards the same goal. And it's amazing, not only the renewed focus, but also the energy and momentum that this has created. And I know for certain that had we not have had this time, we would not have made these changes and taken the time to sort of reorganize ourselves. And I know only too well how you can just get swept along in this day to day. And before long, you find yourself in spaghetti junction, not really feeling able to implement new ways of working or systems because everything is so entrenched in the sort of tapestry of the business. But as a founder, as I know we have heard through this episode today, you are the fuel and energy of the business. You are the only one who can rip up the rule book, shine that forensic light and dig deep into the brand. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. And if you love this podcast, then don't miss out on Monday's episode of Conversations of Inspiration with Paul Lindley, OBE, who is the founder of Ella's Kitchen. What a phenomenal man he is. He was one of the first B Corps in the UK, so I know his journey and business ethos will be a brilliant one. And finally, before you go, you know what I'm going to ask, but each week I will, if you don't mind, as I need you to help me keep my podcast going. And all you need to do, if you would be so kind, is to spread the word. Let people know about this podcast, Conversations of Inspiration. Thank you so much and have the best rest of the week. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come to when you are lying in your bed And if you want your friends to come